Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. first time at Foundations Church. I promise our lobby does not always look like a flea market um, or a yard sale. Uh, I believe this is the third year that we have done the Redneck series, and we do it every summer uh, for about a month. And so it's an awesome series that we love to do. Uh, I think Pastor Justin said it was part of our ADD church culture because we're doing Redneck this month, and I think we're doing a series over the altar uh, next month, which are like, if it's a scale of spirituality of like, light and kind of funny and then like something really deep uh it's it's it, it swings that pendulum swings all the way uh, but we're glad you're here hanging out with us today it's we're gonna have a good time my name is michael ballard and i'm the student ministries director is there a little bit of a ring going on yes yeah, a little bit uh, it's all right um I'm the student ministries director here at Foundations Church, and today's a special Sunday for a couple of reasons. One, because we are kicking off our Redneck Sermon Series this month, and actually today, the first Sunday in June, marks three years that Aubrey and I have been at Foundations Church, which is awesome because we absolutely love being here. We love being on staff. You don't have to, that's, yeah, not... Thank you. I'll go home now. Um, no, that's not why I said that. It's just, it was a cool reminder of, of what God um, has brought us through and where we are now. Whenever we first came on staff at a Foundations Church, I remember a good Wednesday night was like 25 students for us. And I was like, man, we're packed out tonight. We had 25 kids. Um, and then our low nights would be like 10 to 12. And I would wait for Justin to hear kind of where we're at and him just to go ahead and be like, you can go ahead and start looking for another job. But that never happened. And I've been here for three years and it's awesome to see what God is doing um, over those three years, um, how each year for camp, we take more and more and more students. Um, the past three months of uh, FC students, we've been averaging over 50 students, sometimes close to 60. And it's just cool seeing the excitement that God, um, that the people, that the students are getting for God and what he's doing. Um, some of our values at FC students are the same that we have here at Foundations Church. Uh, and so it's awesome seeing the students become found students that are finding students. Um, I, I was looking last year and I was trying to find information and, and from what I could gather, um, the little, little cards that we have the students fill out if it's their first time here, I found about 25 of those for all of last year. And over um, the past three, let's see, March, April, May, yeah, so the past three months, We've had about 40 first-time guests come uh, to FC students, which is awesome to see that happening. Um, 
And that is, our, that is our students doing an awesome job of getting excited about God and inviting, and inviting their friends. And with that comes some new uh, issues, and I, I love where we are. Um, and the, the, the volunteers that we've had have been great for where we have been, and they are sticking with it, and they are killing it. Uh, but we're in a place now where we are needing some more volunteers. And so if you um, are interested, if you are, if you are wanting to invest in the next generation, come talk to me after service. Um, we have some opportunities that you can um, be a part of on Wednesday nights to invest in the next generation. Let me go ahead and dispel a couple of myths. You don't have to be cool. You don't have to be under 25. You don't have to have a cool haircut or any hair at all to, to be able um, to volunteer um, on Wednesday nights. We're, we're looking for people that can be consistent and people that care. Um, and, and if you're interested um, and would like to be a part of that, come find me after service. I would love to get you um, hooked up and part of the team that volunteers on Wednesday night um, and, and changing and shaping the next generation. Well, Pastor Justin has entrusted me with another Sunday, uh, which is a little scary, but hey, it's all good. He is actually celebrating an early anniversary with, with Casey, um, and so he will be back there enjoying some time off together, but he will be back. We are kicking off our Redneck series today, um, and I believe it was a, there was a great poet uh, from Oklahoma that once said, uh, we've all got a hillbilly bone down deep inside. No matter where you're from, you just can't hide. And when the band starts banging in the fiddle saw, you can't help but hollering. There it is. Uh, great poet, Blake Shelton from Ada, Oklahoma. Um, if you were unaware of who that is, that line resonates with me um, because I do not consider myself country at all. But there's a little part of me that loves like that redneck culture, um, that if I had an alter ego, I would wear camo every day and I would like have a gun rack in the back of my truck. Like there is a part of me that loves that culture. I've been in Oki minus the 16 months in the barren wasteland of Missouri. Um, I have, if you're from Missouri, no apologies, I don't care. Um, none, zero. Uh, but I've been in Oki all my life. I, I've lived all over the states, and, and I'm proud to be an Oki. When I was in high school, we lived in a town um, a little north of the Texas border called Ardmore, and uh, went to high school at a little school outside of Ardmore called Plainview, and Plainview was country. Um, and, and I met some great friends. I went to church with this guy named Laramie. Him, him and his family are great friends with my family. We played football together. We went to school together, went to church together. We would stay over at each other's house. Um, we got in a little bit of trouble together. It's all good. That's part of the teenage experience. You always get into a little bit of trouble. And so I remember one night after church on a Wednesday evening, I went over to his house. We stayed the night because it was the Wednesday before fall break. So we didn't have school Thursday or Friday. But we had a football game that Thursday night because it was fall break. And so our coach made us, uh, told us to be at the field house at like 4 p.m., which was way before the game because we had to get our minds right. I don't know if you guys ever played football. I don't know what that means, except you put a bunch of um, angry teenage guys in a locker room for three hours and expect nothing bad to happen. Like, and so we're just, luckily... He, like, it, there was no talking, so we just had to listen to our music, um, which I had my CD player, my Discman, which was awesome, and my collection of CDs. But, um, so we had to be there a little bit before the game. And so Laramie goes, hey, do you, you ever been out to the trails 
for the four wheel and chose out by the lake. And I said, no, there's no way I could, my truck could make it. My, my truck was a 1990 Chevy Silverado 1500. Looked a lot like this truck right there. Um, that is like the exact paint job. I had my windows tinted and I put some different wheels and tires on it. That's not my truck. That was the closest picture I could find to my truck. That is not four wheeling material. That truck did not have four-wheel drive. It was not going to make it. It was simply a show truck and a truck to pick up the ladies, obviously. Look at that <laughs> fine piece of machinery right there. Um, and he said, hey, don't worry. We'll take, we'll take my truck. Now, Laramie had an awesome truck. He had like a 2001, 2002 F-250 that looked almost identical to that truck right there. It was, as an adult now, I would, I'm thinking, why would you ever give your 16-year-old a truck like that? Uh, but this was his truck. And so he said, we'll take my truck. I said, fantastic, let's go. So we go out there, we drop into four-wheel drive, lock in the hubs. We start going through the mud, the dirt, fishtailing, having a good time. We're blaring uh, Machine Head by Bush because that was our song at that time. Um, and we are having an awesome time going mudding. And so I'm saying, hey, we got to get back. We got to get back to the school. We're going to be late. He's like, all right. So we start heading back and we come up to this big puddle. And some would call it a small pond. That's with neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> and he stops before he gets to it and he says, what do you think? I said, man, I said, I don't, I don't want to get stuck. I don't want to be late. Um, Coach Davis is an angry guy. Naturally, I don't want to tick him off any more than that. And he looked at me, put it in drive, and I'll never forget these famous words. Um, I'll remember them forever. He looked at me and said, this truck don't know the meaning of the word stuck. And so he put it in drive and we're starting to go through. He's taking it easy, trying to figure it out. And the bottom of that pond puddle, whatever, drops out and his truck goes. Whoa. And so I was like, all right. So he puts it in reverse, no movement. Puts it in drive, no movement. I get out, kind of start pushing on it, nothing. I look at him like, man, I think your truck learned a new word today and it was stuck. And I was like, there's no way that we're getting out of here. And so luckily there was a guy there. Uh, we called his dad, his dad owned a business. And so he couldn't get there right away. And plus we're about 20 minutes outside of town. And his dad was like, I'm on my way. I'll be there in a little bit. And so we hear a vehicle off in the distance. And so we start walking that way. And there's a grown man, which still boggles my mind. I'm like, why are you not at work? Like in the middle of the day on a Thursday, I know why I'm here. I'm out of school. Why are you not at work? Um, but hey, I didn't ask him that because he had chains and was able to pull us out. His dad had to tow him home. It burnt up the engine. Luckily, the engine was covered under warranty. Um, we were late for, for the pregame stuff. We had to run after practice that whole next week. It was a whole ordeal. But I learned a lesson that there are certain ways to go mudden and certain ways not to go mudden. Uh, one of them is don't let two 16-year-old guys uh, take a new truck out and think they know what they're doing. But, um, man, I was thinking about this Redneck series, and I was thinking, man, isn't life a little bit like that? Life isn't a smooth, paved, straightaway highway with no potholes, no problems. Life is full of bumps and bruises. Life is full, is full of laughs and tears. It's full of ups and downs. It's full of all kinds of things. And I'm like, man, what, what happens in our life when we get stuck? Like what happens when we hit a crisis, when we hit something, whatever it may be, maybe it's financial, maybe it's a job, maybe it's a divorce, maybe, maybe you're just stagnant in your relationship with God and you just feel kind of stuck. Like what happens? And so I was doing some research for this Redneck series and I was looking on some four by four forums, which are real things. Um, and, and I found four rules for going muddy. And I think if Laramie and I would have followed these rules, we probably would have been okay. And I think if we follow these in life, we can 
uh, it can help move us along some of those times when life throws those mud holes at us. Um, so the first rule that I found when you're going money is you've got to keep moving to keep moving. You've got to keep moving to keep moving. I don't know if you've ever been stuck in like snow or mud or anything like that, but you have got to keep some movement going because if you stop, you have to start all over again. You lose traction, you lose momentum, it's bad news. When I was in high school, another fun story, I was awesome, I was a smart guy in high school. Um, when I was in high school, we were at a friend's house and it had been raining and another friend of ours, I won't say if it's a guy or a girl, um, I'll just say that uh, she was a terrible driver. And so... Um, <laughs> So uh, it was raining, and this driver uh, pulled into this, this field, this grassy area, and, and got stuck. And so we're pushing this person out, and, um, and I remember I told her, this person, um, I said, hey, uh, we're going to start pushing. Don't slam on the gas like you're just going to dig yourself deeper. You know, when you start getting a little bit of movement, just kind of ease out. And so she's like, okay, okay, okay. Um, and so we start pushing her, and immediately, first thing she does and just starts spinning her front tires and coats me and my buddies in mud. And I was like, good luck to you. You're on your own. Like, I'm out of here. Like, you have got, like, you can't do that. You're going to bury yourself deeper. And I'm sure there's probably been times in your life where something just hits out of nowhere and your life comes to a screeching halt. Where, where everything has to stop and it's like, this is going to require all of my energy and focus right now. Can I encourage you and say, try to keep moving. Try to keep moving. A lot of times we'll say, well, man, this is how I handle grief. This is how I handle my problems. Um, other people don't want to hear about my problems. Other people don't, I, I don't need to burden other people with what I'm going through. I can handle on my own. These are all excuses that we use. Can I say that those are just that, they're excuses. And a lot of times when we use those excuses, we get stuck. Now, I'm not saying sweep your problems under the rug. I'm not saying forget about them. I'm not saying don't address them at all. But I'm saying to keep, try, try to keep moving through that crisis. And what do I mean by that is don't pull away from the foundation. Don't pull away from the people that are there to help you along those problems. If you're stuck in the mud, sometimes you need some people to help push you out. And sometimes in life when you're stuck, you need to attach yourself, attach yourself to some people. They're going to be there to help pull you through those situations. There are these horses, um, it's, they're called draft horses, and, and they, are, they are studs. They are workload, or they are workhorses. They're able to pull, one draft horse is able to pull about 8,000 pounds on its own. It's a lot of weight. Um, and so if you put two of those together, I wasn't great at math, but I know that 8,000 plus 8,000, let's simplify it. Eight plus eight is 16. It wasn't a trick question. Correct, right? And so you would think that if you put two horses together, they can pull 8,000 pounds. They would be able to pull 16,000 pounds together. But you would be wrong in this case. In this case, these two horses, when they're working together, can pull upwards of 24,000 pounds together. But if these horses have trained together, if they're familiar with each other, they can pull upwards of 32,000 pounds, almost four times the amount that one horse can pull by itself. There are times in life where you're going to face something that you can't handle on your own, and you need to make sure that you've hooked yourself up to some people that can help pull you through that, that sticky time in life, that time in life where you don't know if you can go anywhere. That's why I love my connect group. I love my connect group. I don't know if anyone in here and for my connect group, shout out to you guys. You guys are awesome. There you go. Who was that? Who was that? Who 
Silas, there he is, like the one that I think the, most of them came first service. Um, it's all right, I think. But I love my connect group because we are genuine, we are authentic, we love to have an awesome time, we love to laugh, have a good time. But we've been in there where they share life struggles, they share relationship struggles. Like, it's not just a, hey, come laugh and leave. It's like, hey, this, we're here because we really believe that we are better together. I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase, that we are better together, but when you walk out of here after service, look around the wall, there are signs, there are values, and one of them says that we are better together. We actually believe this stuff. They're not just cool signs on the wall. We believe that we are better together. And if you are wise, before you get in that situation, you are surrounding yourself with people that can help pull you along in life. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine and 10 says, two can accomplish more than twice as much as one for the results can be much better. If one falls, the other pulls him up. But if a man falls when he is, in tr- when he is alone, he is in trouble. Don't do life alone. We are better together. Surround yourself with those people that are gonna help you keep moving. The second rule of going mudding is you've gotta be familiar with the mud. You've got to be familiar with the mud. Apparently, I'm not a mudologist. I'm, I don't know what would, was that a, I don't know what science that would fall under, but apparently there are different types of mud um, and a different approaches when you are going mudding. So if it's kind of like a sandy uh, mud or whatever, there's a different strategy. If it's clay, there's a different strategy. If it's dirt, well, I don't know, whatever. But if it's a different type of mud, there are different approaches to go, uh, to go through this. Um, and the point of going mudding is not to avoid the mud, right? The point of going mudding is to like see what your truck can do, see what your vehicle can do. Um, and you come out and your sides of your truck are all coated in mud and you're showing everybody like, look, I got out, I had an awesome time. And the little redneck part of me loves it when I see a truck like that. I'm like, yes, my truck will never look like that. But yes, good for you, go you, go you, you are awesome. I like when my truck looks clean. I think it looks way better when it's clean. But um, the point of going mudding is not to avoid the mud. And I think the point of life is not to try to avoid as much stuff as we can, but it's to trust God through all of those situations. I mean, life is going to throw curveballs. Life is going to come with its ups and downs. It's gonna come with its bumps and bruises. And Jesus even tells us that in John 16, 33. He says, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have one trial and sorrow. No, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Man, I think there's been a problem. Maybe it's poor biblical teaching. Maybe it's misunderstanding of what a true life in Christ looks like. But as you read through the New Testament, as Jesus is talking, he doesn't say life is going to be all sunshine and lollipops and puppies. Yay, we all get a puppy, right? He doesn't say that. We all love puppies. It's okay, right? He says that you're going to have problems. They're going to come. But I'm telling you this so that you can have peace in me knowing that I have overcome those problems, that I am bigger than what you are going to face. I think being familiar with the mud means being familiar with that verse and knowing that, that the life that we're going to live here on earth, Jesus tells us with no, no really mixed words about it, not leaving much to the imagination that we are going to have trials. And that's okay. That doesn't mean something is wrong with you. It means that you're living life. And Jesus says, hey, don't worry, I'm there with you through it all and I've overcome those problems. So yeah, we're gonna have problems, but guess what? There's also an enemy that is actively trying to get us stuck and keep us stuck. There's an enemy that's trying to take us out. And in 1 Peter 5, 8, 
through 9, it says this. It says that stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world are going, is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. So be familiar with that. Know that. Stuff is still going to pop up. It's still going to take you by surprise, right? We still have an enemy that is trying to devour us, that's trying to destroy us. Those are all great things, right? Fantastic. Hallelujah. Everyone go home, right? They're like, oh, thanks for leaving us on a high note. You know what the high note on that is? Is that God, we serve a God that's bigger than those things. So many times people think God and the devil, it's like you have an equal and opposite, right? No, 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 no. They're not equal and opposite at all. God is way bigger and way stronger and way powerful and way better than, than the enemy that is trying to destroy us. And so when you familiarize yourself, hey, guess what? This life isn't going to be fair. It's not. I had, I had a kid come up and tell me something. I forgot what it was. Um, oh, I, I think it was, we were talking about camp and they, we've been talking about camp since like September, right? Like, hey, we're going to camp because the camp puts the dates out really early. We register really early. And so we've been telling them since September, since January. And so last week I had someone say, hey, is there still a spot for camp? And I was like, no, we're, we're full. And they're like, that's not fair. And I looked at them and said, life's not fair. And like some kids around and laughed and I was like, Sorry, like, I don't know, like, you had plenty of opportunities, like, that's heartless, that's cold, maybe a little bit. I probably could have worked on my approach, but um, <laughs> they got over it. We'll go to camp next year. Um, but life's not always fair. And sometimes people get dealt a worse hand than others, and sometimes the things that others go through than, than I'll go through, or we'll go through three things that are worse, it doesn't matter, but life throws curveballs at you, and life's not fair, but guess what? We serve a God that's bigger than the problems that we face. Be familiar with that. Be familiar with that mud that you're going to go through, but be familiar, be more familiar with the God that you serve because the God that you serve is bigger than anything that you're going to face, and he is fighting on our behalf. So keep moving to keep moving. Be familiar with the mud. The third rule of, of mudding is you need to properly equip your vehicle. Properly equip your vehicle. If this message inspires you to go mudding after service today, Good luck to you. Don't take like your 2006 Toyota Corolla. Don't take your smart car. They are not made to go mudding, all right? They are not made for it at all. Um, you need a vehicle that is properly equipped for the task at hand. You need um, something that has four-wheel drive. You need something that's got like the right tires, a lift on it. And you need like maybe a truck that has a winch on it, which I found out this morning, there is a big difference in the way that you spell winch. Um, two totally different things. If you spell one letter, totally different things. I had it in my notes as one way and I looked it up and it was not the thing that you, I'm talking about the thing that you attach to something and it pulls you out, not, the medieval person that brings you more ale. Not, that is not, those, uh, yeah, I learned that one letter makes all the difference in the world. Um, but you need a vehicle that's properly equipped for the task at hand. And, and if the Bible lays it out pretty clear that this life is gonna be rough, it's gonna, we're gonna have problems, why would we not properly equip ourselves for the problems that we're gonna face? Why would we not prepare ourselves for what is to come as best as we can? All right, if you know that it's going to rain, you know that it's going to be a downpour, you're probably going to grab an umbrella, unless you're super stubborn like me, and be like, I'll just put my shoulders up and pop my collar, I'll be good to go, let's get out of this rain, right? If you know it's going to be 13 degrees outside, you are probably going to wear the appropriate amount of layers. 
I don't know if you guys uh, know Gavin Clare, but I've never seen him wear a pair of pants in my life. But if I had calves like him, I probably wouldn't wear pants either. It's like freezing outside. I'm like, dude, you're wearing shorts. He's like, whatever. All right. But if you know the, the temperature, you know what's going on, the conditions outside, you're going to properly equip yourself for that. But when it comes to our spiritual life, we don't always properly equip ourselves for battle. So what does the Bible say about equipping ourselves for battle? Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13 says this. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, Put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. When you equip yourself for this life by putting on the armor of God, it doesn't stop the problems from coming. It doesn't, it's not some magical shield where you will have no problems, whatever. What it does, it protects you in the midst of those problems. I think so often we underestimate what God can do and overestimate what we are able to do. We underestimate what God can do and, and overestimate what we're able to do. We, so many times we say, man, I've, I have got this. I can do this. I can make it. I don't know about you, but I can't make it. I know that I'm not strong enough to go through those times on my own. The purpose is not to avoid the problems, but to not get stuck in the midst of them. I find it interesting that in this verse, two separate times it tells us to stand firm in the midst of the attacks. It tells us to stand firm after the battle. You are still standing firm, but that's only after you have put on the armor of God. That's when you are able to stand firm. That's when you're able to resist the enemy. What is the armor of God? They're going to tell us. I knew I was waiting for someone to call and let me know when, what, what the armor of God is. <laughs> call my lifeline. It's all good. Um, Make sure mine's off too. It is. All right. Um, what is the armor of God? Uh, you can read on in the passage uh, underneath that, but um, we'll give it in a, in a quick nutshell. It is the belt of truth. Um, everything is anchored to the belt of truth to make sure it stays secure. The belt of truth is the truth and knowledge of who God is and what he can do. Everything else is anchored to that because that truth is unshakable. It's the armor, the breastplate, the, some, past, some uh, translations say the body armor of righteousness. That's you living a life that's holy and pleasing to God. A right life for God so that any accusations protect your integrity, protect your heart, that you say I am above reproach because of the way I'm living my life is step in step with the way God wants me to live. It's the shoes of peace. And these shoes are more like cleats that dig in. When, when the Roman soldiers would wear their shoes, their sandals, whatever they were, they would have little uh, cleat-like things on the bottom so they would not be getting pushed back. And when you have the gospel, the, the shoes of peace on your feet, it's, it's you're anchored in peace. So whatever is coming your way, you have a peace about the situation that is grounding you in the midst of it. It's the shield of faith. It's a defensive weapon that's blocking the attacks of the enemy, your faith in what God can do. It's the sword of the spirit, which is the Bible. And this is your offensive weapon that God doesn't leave us defenseless, but we're able to make strides forward and attack back with the word of God saying, no, 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 this is, I'm not just, I'm not just taking your shots, but I am countering those shots with what the word of God says. Nowhere in the Bible 
Does it tell us to back down, to hide from a fight against the devil? Nowhere does it say it says to stand firm and that, guess what? If God is equipping you with, the, with all of this armor, that is not meant for you to run away. It's not meant for you to run away. It's meant for you to stand firm and fight back against those attacks. Man, we need to properly equip ourselves because the life that we are going to live will have its problems, will have its ups and downs. But when you are properly equipped, when you're familiar with the mud, you're able to keep moving because you need to keep moving. And the last rule uh, of mudding is this, is that you need to demud your vehicle. You need to demud your vehicle. So um, apparently if, uh, if you go mudding, uh, the mud that sticks uh, on your vehicle can kind of expedite the rusting process. I did not know that. Um, if it dries, if you have a lot of mud that dries and cakes on your driveline and um, axles and stuff like that, it can cause problems. So it's like you need to demud. You need to wash it off. You need to make sure that you, that you clean it off. Um, I want to read a passage out of James and then talk about this particular rule uh, right now. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you stay stuck where you are, you're missing out on what God is trying to do through you trying to make you perfect, complete, not, or mature and complete, not needing anything. This doesn't mean that you rush through this process, though. It doesn't mean that you rush through and not try to process what's going on. If we stuck, we miss out. If we rush through, we miss out. But consider it pure joy. That sounds a little far-fetched, but that's what the Bible is saying. Why is it joy? Why should we consider it pure joy? Because God is working in you to become the person that he wants you to be. Man, that every crisis, every problem, every trial that you go through, consider it an opportunity to see God's grace and his hand moving through you so that when you come out of it on the other side, you're able to have a better view of what God is able to do. Man, I think this last rule of demudding your vehicle should be more like clean it off, but take a little bit with you. Don't forget what God has brought you through. The Israelites in the Old Testament were notorious about forgetting where God had brought them from. They would always reference it, oh, the God that delivered us from Egypt. But when their feet were in the fire, they'd be like, where is God? What has he done? He's left us. He's abandoned us. Don't forget what God has brought you through. Don't forget what God has brought you through. Clean off the mud. Demud your vehicle so it doesn't turn into bitterness. So it doesn't turn into cynicism. So it doesn't give you a jaded attitude. Understand that through this process, the creator of the universe is working and fighting on your behalf. Clean it off, but take some with you. So yes, demud your vehicle, but, but don't let yesterday's mess become tomorrow's malfunction. Don't let yesterday's mud become tomorrow's rust. Let yesterday's mess become tomorrow's message because there is someone who is needing to hear what you have been through and what you have gone through. There's someone who needs, needs what you have because guess what? At some point, if you let God work through you in this process to become the person that he wants you to be, there will be a time when someone else is going through that process. And so those people that help push you through this process, you're able to come alongside that other person and help show them by firsthand experience what God has done and what he can do. And you can be that light that helps someone, give them that hope that they need to keep going. 
I want to wrap up today with this verse out of Romans, and you don't have it up in the computer. It's not on your notes. It's Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. It says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for they help us develop endurance. When Larry and I were uh, going mud and we were stuck, um, we were not rejoicing. I'll tell you that right now. Um, our language is probably anything but rejoiceful. And uh, we tried everything we could to get out on our own. Um, but we didn't have the equipment necessary to get out of that situation. So after we tried everything we could, the first thing that he did was he called his dad. And his dad owned his own business, successful, didn't, it was, it was tough for him to get away. But his, as soon as his son called, his dad was like, I'm on my way. I'll be there. Just wait. I'll be there. And I, I don't know, his dad's very gracious his dad's very patient, and so I don't know what was going through his mind, um, but I can try to put myself in his shoes and just be like, I'm just going to make him sweat it out a little bit, make him, make him think about some of the poor choices they've made today, and I'm going to take my time getting there, right? Make, make them think about what they've done. So many times when we go through problems, we go through struggles, kind of like a last resort is to call on our Father. Not always, but sometimes we try to fix it on our own. I think it's human nature to try to want to fix things on our own. But instead of being a last resort, our first option should be to go to the Father. And so many times we see that and it's like, man, Michael, I've done that. I've prayed and God hasn't answered my prayer. Well, hold on, let me ask you this. How, how many of you guys, by show of hands, have, have kids? Anyone have kids? How many of you have once been a, been a child? Everyone. <laughs> Everyone has at once been a child. So we can all, we can all put ourselves in, the, in this position. Um, think back when you were a kid and you wanted something from the store and your parents said no. Did you like that answer? Exactly. I don't like that answer. Why'd you tell me no? No. We have never liked the answer no. As an adult, if you have kids and you tell your kid to do something, they tell you no, and you're like, oh boy, what'd you say to me? All right, you don't tell me no. We've never liked the answer no. You know what answer we also don't like is wait. Can I have a cookie? Just wait. I don't want to wait. It's like you have a meltdown. I, just, I didn't say no. I just said wait. And so many times when we go through struggles, if God doesn't answer our prayer the way we want, when we want, and how we want, we're like, he's not answering my prayer at all. Is no a legitimate answer? Yeah. Is wait a legitimate answer? Yeah. We don't like those though. We especially don't like them when we're going through a crisis. We don't like those answers when we are going through a struggle because we want relief now. But in the midst of those, like those verses say, God is bringing and shaping things inside of us that are going to help us realize how big he is, that are going to help develop characteristics inside of us. They're going to make us who he wants us to be. And when we try to rush the process, when we try to handle it on our own, we miss out on the goal that God is trying to accomplish through us. Sometimes that answer is no. Sometimes that answer is wait. We need to trust God. Keep moving to keep moving. Be familiar with life and what it's going to throw at you. Equip yourselves for the battle at hand, and once you've come through it all, 
demud your vehicle, clean it up a little bit, but take a little bit with you so you know who God is and what he can do for us. God, we come before you today. God, and I pray for each and every person in here. God, I know that in a room of this size that there are people going through all kinds of things that we could list um, for days and days, God. But right now, you see each and every one of us. You see where we are stuck. You see what we are struggling with, God. And I pray that, that our minds would be single focused on you and what you can do. Not on how we can fix this, not on what we can do, God, but knowing that your strength is sufficient to, to sustain us and to carry us through whatever we are going through. God, be with us as we go here um, this week. Let us look to you in everything that we do. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, I just wanna ask you this question. I'm wondering if there's somebody in here that's been going through life on your own. You haven't given your heart to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm tired of doing things my way and I want you to take control. The way I'm doing things is not working. I want to give my life to you. Maybe you made that decision at one point, but you've fallen away from that and, and you say, Jesus, I wanna, I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back to you today. On the count of three, if, if that's you, will you simply raise your hand. We're not here to, to call you out and embarrass you. We want to help you. We want to be those people that come alongside you and help move you through this thing called life as we all are trying to get closer to Jesus. If that's you, on the count of three, will you raise your hand? One, two, three. Is there anyone in here today that would say that prayer? Say, yeah, there's one hand. There's two hands. Yeah, anyone else? If you raise your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I come before you today. I confess that I've sinned and I've messed up, but I ask for your forgiveness. I ask that your grace and love would come into my life and I turn away from that life that I was living to put my trust and faith in you. I confess you, Jesus, to be Lord and Savior of my life. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Hey, can we celebrate with those two hands that were raised, two lives that were changed today? If you raise your hand, let me tell you, that is not the end of your journey. That is the, simply the beginning of your story of what Jesus has for you. And if you raise your hand, if you'll stop by the Connect Center after service and talk to the people in there. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. that you enjoyed this message. 
you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv. Thank you.